I remember the first time I took the, the back way from Ash Fork to Williams. I didn't know if I would survive. How many of you have taken that road? Okay, so you know what I'm... So, <laughs> so you should try it sometime if you haven't taken it, if you, if you live around here. Because, you know, so I, of course I have Google Maps and uh, you're going north out of Ash Fork and then Google, Google Maps just kind of disappears because there's, <laughs> there's none of the roads on the maps anymore. And then there's just this dot floating in the wilderness, which is you, you know, it's your car. And as you're going through, you know, the first time, once you do it a couple times, it's obvious where to turn and, and, and how to go. But, um, but you know that as you're going through that wilderness, if you turn right, it's sort of a definitive choice. You know, you're going to end up somewhere and you just hope it's, it's going to be <laughs> the, right, the right turn. But by saying yes to that turn, you're saying no to the other turn, right? It's a very definitive thing. And it's, you know, it's the same way with any sort of direction, right? If we're, if we're faced with a fork in the road, we're going to have to take a chance. If we don't know which way we're going to go, we're going to have to choose to go left or left or right. And with one choice is, comes a yes. And with that yes is also a denial if you will, of the other. The same thing happens with so many decisions we have in life. With, with a yes to one thing, there's a corresponding no. With the yes that you made to marry your husband, you made a corresponding no to all of the other men that you could have said yes to. With the with the yes you made to your wife, right? There is the corresponding no to, well, let's face it, there was no one else for you. There was just her, but, <laughs> but you understand what I mean, right? That with a yes, there's also a no, right? There's the opposite, which is a no. What Jesus is getting at in the gospel is this sort of dichotomy. Um, and the, se the second reading is the same. And actually, even the first reading, the Old Testament is the same. We're faced with a choice about God and, and then specifically about Jesus Christ. We're either for him or we're, we're against him. We either accept him or we reject him. There's no middle ground. There's really no middle ground. He doesn't present us with a middle ground. He either is God and died for our sins, or he's a complete fraud. There's no middle ground. There's not just some like some nice guy as an alternative. The alternative is he's a liar or crazy. There's not really a middle ground. There's no safe place to land on the issue of God or of Jesus. Because God has made too many claims. God has stated too much objective truth Right? that he claims to be true. He says, these things are true. And I bind you to these things if you are to be my people. He doesn't allow us to be sort of wishy-washy. He doesn't say to us, you decide how you would like to be faithful to me. You decide what your faith should look like and then let me know, you know, and we'll negotiate. 
He doesn't do that. He lets us know. So for instance, and there's a lot of things, and I can't cover the whole catechism because I've got a reputation to uphold of a 40-minute mass. <laughs> um, but you know, there's a lot of things in Catholicism. The books, the, the catechism's thick, it's thick. So I'm not gonna cover everything. Um, but let's just cover a few things. The, the most basic Christian doctrine or teaching is the Trinity, right? To be a Christian means to believe that God is three persons in one divine nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. That's the essential Christian mystery and belief. You might say, well, Father, I don't understand that. And I would say to you, I don't either. Not, not completely. I've read a lot of books on it, and I can give you some explanations of it that can kind of make sense of it. But how in the world could we understand God's nature? Right? How could we understand God's essence, our finite brains? So it means we have to come to a point of decision. God has revealed himself in this way. He says, you know, through his revelation, I am a trinity of persons. This is how I've revealed myself. And at a certain point, we just have to say yes or no. We can't just say, well, maybe. Now, we can say something like, I'm working on it. That's okay. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm trying to get there. I mean, that's okay to be in process. But it's not okay to just be sort of like, yeah, I don't know. I'm wishy-washy. I don't really care, but I'll stay Catholic anyway. It's not really an issue for me. That's not really a place we can land. Another one, a little bit more, I don't know, seemingly less opaque as the Trinity, the Eucharist. The Catholic Church does not say that it's up to the individual believer to determine whether or not the bread and the wine are transformed in the body and blood, soul and divinity of Christ. That is not what the church says. The church says it happens whether you believe it or not. The church says it happens whether I believe it or not. As long as I do it the right way and with the right intention to do what the church intends, as long as I do it, it happens objectively because of what God has done by making me a priest, right? He's conformed me to his nature in a, in a special way so that if I do it the right way with the right prayers, it becomes Jesus, the real presence of Christ, objectively speaking. And you, again, you might say, well, Father, how does it work? And I could talk to you about transubstantiation the best that I could, but ultimately, even those categories are somewhat inadequate to explain the mystery we're still left with, what did Jesus say at the Last Supper? He said, take this and do it. This is my body. This is my blood. And what did the apostles do? They did it. They believed it. They did it. They handed it down. And then we have a decision to make. Do we believe it? Do we say yes? Or do we say no? And we really can't, there's not really a middle ground as Catholics. Not on that. There's some places in our doctrine where there can be a middle ground, but on the Eucharist, there's not really a middle ground. Again, there can be a place for people who say, I'm working on it. You know, I'm trying to find my way there, of course, right? We're reasonable people. But 
at a certain point, a person has to say yes or no. Let me give you another one that's on my heart. A Catholic cannot look at the issue of the unborn and say that the unborn does not have a right to live. A Catholic cannot be in a position to say, I will determine for myself what is life. A Catholic cannot say, I will determine for myself whether a person should live or die. Because the human person doesn't create life. A human person cooperates with God, but God creates the soul, always. It is God who creates. And that unborn child is not the body of the mother. This is, this is simple biology, beyond proven. It is idiocy to even argue against the biology. Every biologist will tell you the body of the unborn child is not the body of the mother. A separate DNA, separate, of course, fingerprints, often a completely different blood type, a separate individual. And we just saw recently how numerous Catholic politicians in New York stood up and cheered the passage of an abortion bill that says they can kill children up to the moment before they are born. Now, abortion is always wrong, even well before that, that, that time frame. But if the mother had had the child a week before, the child was just as viable as the moment of birth, right? But Catholic politicians stood up and cheered and said, this is a victory for women. This is a victory for women. This is a victory for human rights, that now women have more freedom because they can choose to exterminate life all the way up to the end. And what the Lord Jesus says to us, and, and what we hear in the, the Old Testament reading today, and also what the Beatitudes are getting at is, we gotta make a decision. Either we go with the logic of man, of society, or we say yes to the logic of God. And it doesn't matter if we get persecuted. It doesn't matter if people call us, uh, you know, people who are archaic with archaic morals or superstitious or intolerant. None of that matters. It doesn't matter if we are the unenlightened. The Lord said it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter how much you might get persecuted for your faith. What matters is your yes to me or your no to me. That's what matters. But you've got to make a decision. Are you going to trust the wisdom of men, men and women, society? Or are you going to trust the wisdom of God? And I'm only bringing up three situations. There's far more situations and issues than this, and you know many, that we have to make a decision. Do we follow God or do we follow society? And I think it's clear. I think it's obvious. It's why we're here. It's why we're here today. You know, we have to be more convicted. We don't have to become more um, militant, I don't think. I don't think it, it's, it's a call to be for more militancy or something like that. We have to become more convicted, more willing 
to stand up for what is right, to say what is right, to, to be unashamed, to say, you know what, that's wrong. It's simply wrong. The abortion issue. Or even with simple issues with our faith, to say, you know what, I do believe that the bread and wine become the body and blood of Christ. And I don't care if other people disagree. It's fine. Believe what you want. But I believe. And I will always believe. This is what our Lord is asking of us. Decision. This is what faith is. It's decision. It's not just feeling. It's a decision we make every day. It's a decision we make when we're here on Sunday, coming to Sunday Mass. It's a decision we need to make every day of our lives. Please stand.